You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up in War Eagle, Auburn family? We are here, Auburn Express style, talking a little bit, previewing Auburn versus UMass. Game one for Auburn, game two for UMass here in week one of the college football season. Chigai Ike Jones, I am joined today here on the Auburn Express by Nathan Strauss, the play-by-play broadcaster for the University of Massachusetts Athletics. Nathan, how you doing today, man? I am doing great, uh, especially after Saturday. I've been on a, yeah. a nonstop high for the last two days, and uh, I think it's going to last all the way until Saturday. Is is the outcome what you expected? Now, I, l- let me ask this two different ways. Did you all expect to win based upon what you knew or had a good chance at winning the game? And then the final score, the way that you won, uh, was it that way? So if yes to the first one, then is it yes or no to the second? So I think um, I think the players expected to win. I think Don Brown expected to win. I think a lot of fans were a little bit hesitant because as has been the case for the last five or so years, there's a lot of optimism going into the first game of the season um, because you can be a lot of things until you show who you are and what you are. Right. Last year, week one, uh, we were down in Tulane, and I think we ended up losing that game, I want to say 45-10 to 10 or 45-7 to 7, um, mm-hmm. in, in sort of blowout style. And admittedly, Tulane ended up obviously being a New Year's, a New Year's Day bowl uh, team that year. Um, but, you know, everyone was thinking there was going to be big improvements this year. And um, it was nice to see them on hand. Uh, and unfortunately, I was not there. Uh, I'm still wrapping up my current job down in uh, Augusta, Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was able to watch it on ESPN and, and listen to it with uh, with the voice of UMass, Jay Burnham on, on Learfield, uh, which was great because there was a lot of catharsis in that win. And right. uh, I think even if you had said that UMass is going to win this game, I don't think anyone was going to predict that scoreline. I mean, it took UMass until game five last year to hit 40 points and we hit 40 in, you know, pretty comfortable style late in that fourth quarter. So all in all, you couldn't have, this was like the absolute best case scenario, I think for, for the game. Okay. Awesome. Listen, I think that, um, a lot of the new players that you have there, which we'll get into players and, and guys that you were excited about from game one and and expectations going into game two. But I do think that a lot of the new players that you had paid some dividends. You all did really well in the transfer portal. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, I guess, about well, first, you said you weren't at the first game in Augusta, Georgia. This a lot a lot closer. Are you going to make the drive over to Auburn for game two there for UMass? I wish so. I'm um I'm currently the wrapping up the season with the single A affiliate of the Braves, uh, mm. the Augusta Green Jackets. And we have a game on Saturday this week. And so I'm the next oh, wow. two weeks, I'm finishing up that season. Uh, and normally I would be doing <clears throat> sideline there, but uh, Lauren is is uh, has been doing sideline for UMass. And so she'll be there. I will be watching though. I've always wanted to go uh, to Jordan-Hare, but I unfortunately I will not be there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I wish is the answer. 
Well, you know, listen, hopefully um, the the Braves affiliate that you're working with has a good game. So you have at least an opportunity to call a good game there. And then, you know, UMass will do their thing in this game. So you can be proud of the effort in the game that they put forth in this one. But let's talk about this game. Let's talk about expectations from uh, what you all are seeing based upon game one, going into game two, game one for Auburn. What are you really uh, expecting for UMass to be able to produce in this game? Having now maybe some reset expectations for the season after seeing the product on the field. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when we looked at this season as a whole, um, you know, all 12 games on the calendar, there were probably six to eight winnable games. And then at the same time, probably four to six games that you're writing up as sort of show me games where, the expectation maybe might not be to win, certainly if you're not a member of the coaching staff or a player, um, but it's to give a good showing. And, you know, last year in Don Brown's first year, I think the best game as far as playing up to an opponent goes was when uh, UMass went to College Station and played, you know, a, a Texas A&M team that obviously did not have the season that they wanted to, but they still boasted, I want to say, like a top three recruiting class by composite score. Um, with obviously a ton of, you know, draft caliber players, you know, Ashawn, uh, who's now in the Marlins, uh, the, not the Marlins, that's the wrong part, now down in uh, the Dolphins, excuse me. Um, and UMass, you know, it was an ugly game. Like it was about 35 degrees, rainy, and, and UMass only lost that game 20 to three. But I mean, mm-hmm. UMass in the past, even before Don Brown came back last year, has been uh, very good at playing up to their opponents. So, UMass famously almost beat Georgia, almost beat Tennessee, um, you know, a couple of years ago. And UMass has covered nine straight games against SEC opponents, which, again, I think the spread right now, and I'm not a a betting person, but the spread right now is, I think, 38 and a half. And I would bet that this is probably going to end up much closer than that. Um, So I think the expectation right now is to build momentum and, and, you know, see if your offense can get a couple of scores, see if you can stay in this game for a decent amount of time. But I don't know if the expectation can reasonably be said to win. Um, I think it's more to just, you know, give give people something positive to look at uh, from this game going into a, an easier week three. Yeah, I mean, listen, I uh, will not deny that I had written off the UMass game as, oh, well, Auburn's just going to go in there, walk through, and they're, you know, ranked so lowly nationally, all those things. UMass showed me something in this first game. Um, And I think, namely, I was impressed with the maturation, it seemed, of the quarterback. And I don't want to mispronounce his name, but is it Tyson Fumachan? Pumachan. So his name. Pumachan. So it's not the PH. All right, great. Pumachan. I I think that he played well. He looked poised. Uh, You know, this is a guy who's been at the P5 level previously at Clemson uh, when he came out of high school and then last year at Georgia Tech. Uh, primarily coming off of the bench, didn't have any significant minutes at either of those schools. Uh, but from what I had seen of the the limited snaps that he took, whether it was in the spring game at Clemson or in uh, reserve duty at Georgia Tech, he didn't seem as like he was a polished passer, but he showed some ability, some arm strength, some of the stuff that I think uh, scouts uh, coming into out of high school would have said, okay, this is a guy who deserves to be a backup quarterback for Clemson heir apparent kind of guy. He showed some of that on Saturday. What were your thoughts about game one from uh, the starting QB there? Yeah, I, I think he just gave a lot of poise. You know, I think um, 
his decision making was really good. He was not afraid, obviously, to run. And I think his scrambling ability is so important. Um, and I think the biggest play of the game came when UMass went for it. I think we were at like the 35 on a fourth and seven. And he went for it. They had a spy on him and he still managed yeah. to take it like 18, 19 yards. And that set up really what ended up being, I think, the the score that took the game kind of out of reach. And uh, admittedly, New Mexico State did come back with a bomb after that from Pavia. But, you know, it, that was really a, a momentum changing play. And UMass offensively for the last couple of years hasn't necessarily had a, a game breaker in that way. I mean, Andy Isabella, when he was the the nationwide leader in in receiving, um, like back in 2018, I think, was mm-hmm. the, the last time that UMass had like that kind of guy. And Pumachan, I mean, look, he only he only had 17 pass attempts, but he didn't right. need to have that many more because first of all, like his receivers made plays, like the 80 yard right. the 80 yard pass to, I mean, it was a 15 yard pass and 65 yards after the catch to begin the the fourth quarter was huge. Um, but that is really, I think, the main area that people were focusing on coming into this year offensively was can UMass stay with their offense on the field and give their defense a time to breathe? And clearly with him, they can. Um, and it's great to see that in game number one. And I, it's also great to see that the staff has a trust in him. Like, I think they kind of let him make plays. There was a little bit of RPO that UMass was running to pretty good success. And I don't think he made any significant mistakes. You know, like right. I, I don't think, you know, of his of his seven incompletions, like, I don't think there were any bad misses, really, or any poor decision-making there. Right. Yeah, no, I think he played a really good game. And I, again, the, the word that you use, I, I echo, is poise. He looked poised in that game. Um, not really sure that New Mexico State did very much to make him feel uncomfortable throughout that game, which is a good sign. Um, what what other significant game breakers? Now, you all had uh, something like 5.8 yards per rush in the game, right? You know, I mean, the run game was doing well, and a lot of that was due to uh, the quarterback being able to make them play even in the box and all that sort of thing. But uh, the other playmakers, the running backs and the quarterback, not excuse me, not the quarterback, but the wide receivers had a fairly decent game as well. What can you say about guys as far as the expectations going into the season? And did any p- people play kind of above sea uh, level for you for for guys that you're like, oh, wow, that was a, you know, an exciting, unexpected uh, uh, boost for the offense? Yeah, I mean, so Karon Lynch Adams is going to be the guy. Like, I think he's going to be your, 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 certainly your first and you're likely your, your first and second down back at the very least. Um, and last year he kind of split time with, um, you know, with Ellis Merriweather who was banged up a little bit and he's now, you know, competing for a spot on the saints right now, um, as they sort of go into their, uh, you know, final, uh, season preparations. So he looked really, really, uh, impressive as well, getting, uh, some good gains. And I think a lot of the rushing numbers for UMass the last couple of years are, I think you have to look at them in context of, okay, well, we haven't really shown that we can pass at all. And so teams are able to stack the box and just, you know, play UMass to run and let, let them try to beat you in the air. And I think right. that, I think that the running back situation, whether it's Kieran Adams or Anthony Simpson or uh, Greg DeWozier, who had one attempt, he's more of a, uh, he's more of a, uh, a special teams guy who can also, you know, feature in the passing game a little bit, whatever it is, um, you know, I think the ability to pass is going to be really important for that. And we saw a lot of different receivers getting into the action. I mean, Christian Wells had the big one, that 68 yard gain, Anthony Simpson, 
uh, was impressive as well. And we even saw Gino Campiotti, who was last year's starting quarterback in week one. I was going to mention him, but yeah, go, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Gino Campiotti had a reception as well. And, you know, UMass has the guys, I think, to really spread things out. And the only air, the only play in the entire game that I was thinking, man, uh, I don't know if we needed to do that, was we were in, I don't know if we were in the red zone. We were certainly driving in New Mexico State territory, and we tried to... Um, we tried a reverse end around, I think, in the I might have been in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. And I think it ended up in like a loss of two or three. And that was almost like, man, we got so cute there. Like the game's not out of reach. We got a little too cute there. Um, but all in all, like I think again, like there's not too much to take away from week one because you gotta see, you know, what else Coach Kazula has dialed up, you know, as far as as plays and play calling and play styles, but just having a balanced offense, like. Not not going into a game and pounding the ball and eighty percent of the time on the ground is is huge. Yeah. Well, awesome. I, I think again, I was impressed with what UMass trotted out there. This is definitely a different offensive scheme than they had been running previously. So, uh, looking forward to seeing what that brings this coming uh, weekend when they come to Jordan Hare Stadium. Already got a road win under the belt for the UMass Minutemen. Uh, you guys are listening here. You got Ike Jones right here on the Auburn Express talking to Nathan Strauss. He is with UMass Athletics as the play-by-play announcer. Uh, let's flip it over to the other side and talk a little bit about the defense. This has kind of been the calling card for UMass over the last few seasons. And this year, uh, it doesn't look as if there's any sign of relent. That defense causing negative plays, really causing some confusion, some trap coverages to be able to get turnovers. They had to pick six uh, in the third quarter there in the game. Talk to me a little bit about defensive standouts for you in game one. Yeah, I mean... Tyler, I mean, I think, first of all, you're right, and that defense is the calling card. Um, and it was last year. It kept UMass in a lot of games. Um, and Don Brown, notorious for being a defense head coach, obviously, I mean, he was at Michigan and Arizona State in that in that capacity. Um, but I think the big the big standouts in, in game one, uh, Tyler Rudolph was terrific. He had, you know, eight total tackles, and he's someone who, uh, you know, had a, a huge season last year. But then, um, you know, was was expected to take a big jump this year. UMass added a lot in the transfer portal on both sides of the ball, which I think was, uh, which I think was important because you look at last year as sort of like it's year one of a head coach. Year two is where you can start to kind of like find guys who fit the system a little bit more and begin to sort of completely rebuild that part of the roster. And Tyler Martin, who is a, a Massachusetts kid, um, who you know had gone out west with Don Brown. Um, or certainly with interest from Don Brown back in the day. Uh, I thought he was really, really good as well. He was a, a prep school kid from BB&N, about five minutes from where I grew up. And he was really good. Uh, the the big play from uh, Zakudu Iguenegu was 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 nice to see. And then Marcus Bradley, who's, you know, one of the bigger guys up front, like he has some big shoes to fill because UMass lost some size uh, there. And I thought he was really good as well. Uh, and as far as, you know, what we saw, in the secondary, I think in general, New Mexico State didn't offer all that much. They obviously had that one that one play, the Pavia the the Pavia play um, mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. That was, I think, probably their really their biggest. Their, I think it must have been the biggest play of the day. But I, I know a lot of their fans online were frustrated at how little creativity they showcased, and I think part of that is I think UMass did a pretty good job, and and that's kind of the expectation here. And it doesn't really matter whether it's New Mexico State or a and last year, 
Uh, but the UMass defense can make plays, and that's that's something that, that Hugh Freeze knows all about from having seen UMass over the last decade. Yeah, that's one of the things that he actually talked about in his press conference is that uh, the the defense that he's expecting to face is one that is going to create negative plays, is going to be difficult to for the quarterback to figure out and sort out who's coming offensive line. Like They're going to mix up the coverages. They're going to mix up the packages of who's coming and who's not and try to confuse the protection as well as playing some trap stuff on the back end to make it look like we're going zone, but we're actually you know cheating this off of, you know or look like it's man, but we're cheating it into a zone or whatever it's going to be. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how a new offense for uh, Auburn, but you know of course, Hugh Freeze has been uh, running this offense for a while, but players running a new offense are going to be uh, able to sort through what's happening with a what is admittedly a confusing scheme that they're going to be putting out there. Um, but talk to me a little bit about, though, you talked a little bit about it already, but just want to dive in a little bit more into the defensive backs, because as you said, really the only big plays came from it, there weren't a ton of big games on the ground or gains, I should say, on the ground. Some missed tackles, you know, admittedly were happening there. But uh, how do you feel about how you all match up in a defensive backfield against what's going to be some tall receivers for Auburn in this matchup? I mean, I think it's going to be, first of all, I think it also will come down a little bit to, you know, can UMass get pressure? Uh, right. You know, and that's I think that's that's really important. And, and Dr. i sorry, Don Brown's nickname is Dr. Blitz. Uh, mm -hmm. because, which is, first of all, just an awesome nickname. And second of right. all, I think it speaks a little bit to his reputation as far as, you know, being able to dial something up that can get pressure in the backfield. Um, but as far as our DBs go, I mean, like Jordan Mahoney, I think, is uh, made, made a couple of, of big plays. And he's someone who who has the kind of swagger, I think, that you like to see going up against a, a team like Auburn. I, I don't really have any issues. I don't really foresee any issues there outside of, you know, what people are anticipating this game is going to look like. I mean, last year against many teams, not just the Power Five teams, UMass's defense couldn't couldn't get off the field, you know, because because because, you know, the, the offense was uh, was going three and out too many times. And I think with a little bit more freshness, you would have seen some of the, the, the big scores last year be a little bit closer. And so I really do think that that UMass matches up pretty well. And I think the the UMass's strength is its defense, and that's going to I, – I, my, my theory is it's going to show. I think you're much less likely to see UMass hang 41 points again, but I think you're probably more likely to see UMass allow under 30 uh, again. Mm. So, Okay, okay. So let's, let's get to the brass tacks of it then. We talked offense. We've talked defense. Uh, let's talk about score. Uh, now that you've had an opportunity to see this new UMass offense go out there and give your guys on defense a little bit more of a chance to rest and not having seen Auburn yet, but uh, knowing Auburn's coming in, new situation, new offense, new defense, a lot of transfers in for Auburn. Uh, have you changed your expectations on what you think the final score is going to be for this game? And, and what, what are you thinking it's going to be right about now? Yeah, I mean, I think when I I think when I looked at this game on the schedule, I thought, okay, this is going to be sort of one of those days where, you know, midway through the third quarter, Auburn might roll out, you know, some of their different guys, you know, they might give some other guys a look. It could be, you know, 35, seven at that point. Um, but that was sort of coming off of a season where UMass had some expectations under, you know, a new coach and, and a new staff in year one. And it was not 
uh, it didn't go the way that I think people hoped. Um, I don't think it went in a way that was like completely surprising, but I don't think it went the way that people hoped. And then after game one, I mean, my expectations go back up to where they were a while ago. So I think this game ends up being fairly close. I'm not going to say that UMass wins this game because I think it would be pretty ambitious to say that in general, an, ind an independent will go into a sold out, you know, SEC venue and win. But I think it's a one or two score game going into the late stages. Like I think, okay. I think if UMass can be down 14 going into the fourth or 17 going into the fourth, that's the kind of point where you see, okay, well, Auburn has the transfer quality and the recruiting quality that just the depth, I think, that UMass mm -hmm. and many schools in the North in general, I think, don't have. I think it's hard to find schools that can compete with SEC schools in terms of depth uh, in that way. So I don't know if I can give a, a precise score prediction, but I'd say that, you know, maybe you see Auburn in the, the low 30s and UMass in the high teens or low 20s, I think that would qualify as a that would qualify as a success. I mean, again, the spread is 38 and a half. I don't think it's anywhere close to that. I mean, I think it's I, I think it, you're more likely to see it at, at, at 20 or below. Um, so and the other thing is, like, I hope people come out of that game, Auburn fans, and I hope they think, wow, UMass, a team that, you know, has really struggled in the last decade since jumping up to this level, like, man, they can play like. You know, yeah. they can play. They're scrappy. They they compete hard. Like, they can play. Yeah, I, I think, uh, listen, I, I definitely have changed my expectations for this game. I do anticipate UMass is going to come out here and and really give Auburn fans maybe a little bit more of a, a heart attack than they thought that they were going to be getting uh, when you saw the schedule roll out for this season. I, I was impressed at what I saw from them. It's hard to gauge because, of course, you've, you've only got the one sample set of New Mexico State as well, so it's not like you know how good a team or how bad a team that they just went and beat, but they beat them pretty handily, and I think that's the, the biggest thing that you have to walk away from any game is if you feel like your team is in control of the game going into the later stages of the game, then you've played a good game. Uh, so we will see what it comes to when we get down to it this Saturday, rolling into Jordan Hare Stadium, the UMass Minutemen coming off of a pretty impressive win versus New Mexico State in game one. Uh, we're going to get out of here. But before we do, Nathan, give the people an opportunity to find you on social media or whatever way you want them to connect with what you've got going on. Yeah, awesome. I'm on Twitter at Nathan P. Strauss. And I'd also just say, like, you know, go go follow UMass football too. Like they put out some good content, some creative stuff. And uh, we need fans who aren't Massachusetts people. So if you're looking for a team, uh, if you're looking for a team, a program that's kind of like a lovable underdog uh, who won't provide maybe a conflict of interest as far as SEC stuff goes, like hop on the UMass train. Like we will take all types. Yeah, I, I liked uh, the the graphic they put out after the game with the the, the cowboy hat laying yep. on the ground. That's, whole situation. that's Chris Tucci. He's one of the one of the absolute best. He's the the head of creative at, at UMass. So tremendous work. I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. Well, I look forward to the game. Uh, hate I won't get a chance to meet you this weekend, but maybe our paths will cross in the future. But that's it, man. We are out of here. Your guy, Ike Jones. Make sure you guys continue to follow us everywhere at The War Report and at TWR Pod Network on all social media. Until the next time, and as always, War Eagle, we're out of here. Peace. <laughs>